Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. God, to feel the presence of the Lord. I don't want to ever take for granted, I know it's said often, but I don't want to ever take for granted the privilege that we have to come and worship the Lord. I'm forever grateful for that. Praise the Lord. Uh, Sometime back, several months ago, I had put together a message and it just never seemed the right time. It felt right at the time, but it it just didn't seem right. And uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor preached a message entitled, There's a Mantle Falling. And uh, I'm certainly not implying that this is part two or, or I'm, not that I'm tagging in, but um, it reminded me of this and sparked this back up in my heart. And I just want to share this with you tonight. If you will go with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 2, 2 Kings chapter 2, while you're finding that in your Bibles, let's remember to pray for pastor and first lady while they are out of town, that the Lord would keep his hand upon them and keep them safe and restore and replenish them. Praise the Lord. How many is glad to be in church tonight? Praise God. Praise God. Second Kings, I'm going to need your help tonight. Uh, if you'll preach with me, will you do that? Yes. If you'll preach with me, uh, this will be bearable. But if you leave me out on a limb, this is going to be unbearable. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 2, verse 13, familiar passage of Scripture. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. I'm also going to read one verse of scripture from the book of Judges, chapter 15, verse 15. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. And with the help of the Lord tonight, I just want to preach to us for a a few minutes. What will you do with the mantle at your feet? Will you pray with me this evening? Father, I love you. I'm so eternally grateful for the privilege that you've given us to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Pray that you would touch our minds, touch our hearts. God, just help us to receive the word of God. This word is sharper than any two-edged sword. 
And that's what I need in my life. I need it to, I need it to cut. I need it to be decisive. I need it to, to root out anything in my heart that don't belong because I want to be holy before you. I ask that you touch me tonight, Lord, and touch us as a congregation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell him how much you love Wednesday night. Amen. These are not to cover up with, but we read two passages of Scripture where Elisha and Samson were both mentioned, and they're two very different kind of men. Both had different characteristics and both led different lives, but they did have two things in common uh, that we read about. We know that they were both used mightily by God, and they both had something they needed within their reach. God placed it there, but it was up to them to take possession of it, to retrieve it, to, to pick it up. And it doesn't matter how much glory, how much power, how much peace, or how much joy, how much property surrounds you or I within reach. It doesn't help us. It'll do us no good if we don't seize it, if we don't take possession of it, if we don't pick it up. The jawbone became a weapon of mass destruction against Samson's enemies, but he had to pick it up and use it. He, he had to take it in his hand. Young prophet lost a barred axe head, and it flew off into the water, and Elisha threw a stick into the water where it fell, and the axe head floated to the surface of the water within his reach. But the young prophet had to pick up the axe head. He, he had to take possession of it. Now, I didn't come here this evening to whine and whimper and complain about the economy or to criticize our government or pass judgment uh, on the things that are taking place in our country today. But it goes without saying, there's a, there's a lot of bad things happening in the world. But I, I choose to not focus on the bad had a conversation a, a couple of weeks ago with an individual and some things that were taking place was, was brought up. And I said, well, I can't allow that to dictate how I feel every day. I said, matter of fact, I just try not to pay attention to that because the things you see and hear and read will just, uh, they'll bring you down. And the individual said, well, you just can't stick your head in the sand and not be aware of what's going on. And uh, respectfully, I replied to him, oh, I'm very aware of what's going on. We're living in the end times, and the days are short. And I, I'm not burying my head in the sand, but I want to be found burying my head in the Word. I want to depend on the Word. I assure you tonight, I assure you tonight, it is the Word in the name of Jesus that will carry us through whatever lies ahead of us. I, I want to be like the writer said that said, I'm lifting up my eyes to the hills from whence my help comes from. Now, I won't preach anything new, and I'm sure that I won't say anything that you haven't heard, but I've just stepped here tonight to remind us, encourage us that, that the devil is not in charge. I, I know what it looks like around us. I know what's going on is, is bleak and it brings despair to some, but God is still in control. He's still on the throne. 
everything that's taking place in this current day and time is not happening without, without God okaying it. So as a church, as born-again men and women of God, we need not fear. We need not to be afraid. What we must concentrate and focus on in these last days is winning the lost and staying ready. If we, if we will reach for the lost and if we will stay ready, everything's going to be all right. We have to, as a church, cast out the spirit of fear and, and dread. As a church, we have to break the spirit of hopelessness and despair because this is his church and the church is not going under. It doesn't matter what happens to gas prices or health care or social security or retirement plans or anything else. God is still in charge. The earth is his and the fullness thereof. The church is just like, uh, it's just like the ark in the Old Testament. The floodwaters, as they rose higher and higher and they covered all of the highest mountains, the ark just rode on top of the water. However high the water would get, the ark would stay right up above it. In the worst times, in the darkest hours, it was lifted to its highest place. And this is the finest hour for us, the church. We were chosen by God to live in this present season. And I'll tell you, if God in all his wisdom saw fit to place you and I here in this season, in this time, with everything that's going on, he done so because he trusts us. Don't let the devil convince you that you can't be used in the kingdom of God on this day and hour. Just like Jesus said, the fields are white to harvest, but the labors are few. There's something in the kingdom of God for everyone to do. There's something in this day and hour because Jesus is coming. And the time is short, ladies and gentlemen, and I have lost family members and I have lost loved ones that I want to see saved. I don't want to see them spend an eternity in hell. You sitting here tonight, you have family members, you have lost loved ones that, that need salvation. They need Jesus Christ, and we don't want to see them lost. And that's why we must work and stay busy. That's why we must stay ready and stay prepared. And we must be available for the Lord to use us. We get so caught up and so hung up in our abilities, what we can and what we cannot do. What Brother Larry can do, I can't do. So I have to use the ability that I've been given. But each one of us has an ability. And if we will make it available to God, whatever it is, whatever talent that he's given you, God can use it for the kingdom. Turn to somebody and say, God believes in you. Praise God. God put Ezekiel in the midst of the valley of dry bones because God knew that Ezekiel possessed the power to transform the situation. God trusted Ezekiel. He placed him there because he had confidence in him. One lone prophet with the word of the Lord in his mouth transformed a valley of dry bones into an army of men. And you may be the only born-again child of God in your family. You may be the only Christian on your job. You may be the only saved one in your school or in your class. You may be the only Christian on your block or your neighborhood. But if you are the only one, all that means is that God trusts you. He's got faith in you. He's placed you there. He wouldn't leave you there not to help you. He promised us. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. And that doesn't just mean in troubled times. That means when we're trying to do a work for the Lord, he won't leave you. If you need something to say, God will give you something to say. If you need a touch in your mind to help you, 
God will help you. He's able to do that. But what we can't do is let the enemy convince us to start feeling sorry for ourselves or convince us that we're not important to the kingdom. That's, that's easy to do. We're just human. We're flesh. And we see someone being used mighty of God and we think that we could never live up to that standard. They're doing things that we could never do. Well, we wasn't meant to do that. We're individuals. God uses us each individually. If you're in the house tonight or if you're watching by way of social media, please hear this. You matter to God. I'll say that again. You matter to God. He loves you and he wants you to be a part of his bride and be a part of the kingdom. For too long there have been people in the church and not, not everyone. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not painting with a broad brush, but there have been people in the church who shuffle around with their heads down and they're poor, poor, pitiful me. And if y'all y'all just pray that I can make it to the other side, if if y'all just pray that I might somehow get through this, I don't I don't know if I can make it, but but perhaps maybe I can. And all that accomplishes is it gives the church a bad identity. When we mope and grope around who would want to be a part of that? Nobody wants to be a part of a downtrodden, moping around congregation. If we're full of the Holy Ghost, we ought, ought to be the most cheerful people on planet Earth. We ought to be full of joy unspeakable. Now, I, I, I didn't say that things sometimes aren't bad. I didn't say I like what's happening in the world or that I'm not aware of the tragedies that are taking place around us in the world. But what I am saying is greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. What I'm saying is, is I know who I have believed in and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against the day. I'm saying God is for me and if God be for me, who can be against me? Who can be against me when God is on my side? The world that we live in is is coming unraveled with financial storms and even physical storms, earthquakes and tornadoes. But the word tells us, but we are in the world, but not of the world. We have an unshakable kingdom built upon an unshakable foundation and it's ruled by an unshakable king. Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The writer in Psalms 46 and 4 said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the depths of the sea. Waters roar and they're troubled. Mountains shake with swelling. Even while all these things are happening around him, David says, there is a river that is making glad the city of God, meaning God is still pouring out his spirit and power in this last day. It's been said a thousand times or more behind this pulpit, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Holy Ghost that he poured out in the upper room is the same Holy Ghost you and I have tonight. It's the same Holy Ghost that cast out devils. It's the same Holy Ghost that heals the sick. It's the same Holy Ghost that brings down strongholds of the kingdom. But we must possess it and put it to use. Because it is our time to shine. And that's not being boastful. That's not having a chip on our shoulder. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this, this hour, this day, it's time for the church to shine. This is, this is our hour. Isaiah 60 and 1 said, Arise, 
Shine, for the light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be soon upon thee. Now it would be very clear and evident that the world is dark. There, there's gross darkness everywhere. But Isaiah said the Lord is going to rise upon us. In other words, he's going to be with us. He's going to be seen upon us. I, I want the world to see Jesus in me. I want them to, not, not that we're better, not, not that we're a notch above, but when I walk into a room... I want there to be a difference of feeling if there are those in there who are not saved. I want the Holy Ghost to go before me and make crooked paths straight. That's, that's how we can win the lost. If you can't give a 12-step Bible study, don't worry about that. The best tool you have for winning the lost is the Holy Ghost. Now, now I'm not implying that we don't need to be studying and making ourselves aware of what's in this book. But don't get hung up because you can't do this or can't do that. You pray that the Holy Ghost will go before you and make a way and God will be there with you when it comes time to spread this word. In other words, God was, Isaiah was saying it's going to get real dark in the world. But I'm going to put my spotlight on you, the church. And he said, when I put my spotlight on you and they see the glory of the Lord on you, then the Gentiles shall come to the light and kings to the brightness of the rising. And I know it's been said a lot, but there, this is no time to tone down. There's no time to damper our praise, whether it be Wednesday night or not. We ought to praise just as hard on Wednesday night, if not harder, than we do on Sundays. It's no time to worry about being politically correct or socially acceptable. And I'm not saying... I'm not saying being disrespectful or mean or, or hurtful, but this is no time to hide out behind some rocks and backpedal on our faith. This is the time for the church to stand up and stand out. We need not be ashamed. We need not be ashamed of this apostolic way. You ever brought somebody to church? Don't raise your hand to this, but have you ever brought a visitor to church and you was said in the back of your mind, well, I, I hope old so-and-so doesn't cut loose tonight and make us look a little silly. I can remember people coming on Sunday nights uh, to hear when we had Sunday night church. There was people that wouldn't come any other time but Sunday nights because they knew that the bobby pins would go to flying, shoes was going to be kicked off, and we had church. And I'm here to tell you today, they are... Churches across the globe that's trying to imitate us. But what they don't have is the name and they don't have the authority of the power. So when we come together, we need to magnify and worship with everything that we have because the world is searching for this to fill their souls. This is, a, this is the time to speak the word of God with boldness, with authority and with power. This is the time we declare ourselves. Moses demanded in the book of Exodus, who is on the Lord's side? Declare yourself. Make your choice clear. It's no time to be riding the fence or to being wishy-washy. Elijah demanded the same thing. He said, choose one side or the other. Either serve God or Baal, but quit limping back and forth in between the two. 
Jesus confirmed it when he said, He that is not for me is against me. And if you're not gathering with me, then you're scattering abroad. And let me say it another way. We're either part of the solution or part of the problem. There, there is no in-between. If you're on God's side, you're part of the solution. And let me say this. People are searching and they're begging for something real. They're, they're, they're tired of faith. They want something that can really make a difference in their life. I'm not preaching against uh, social media, but you see Facebook and Instagram and, and all the other avenues, people, uh, these things that they're doing and pictures of their home and, and uh, not to be disrespectful, but that's fake. That's not everyday life. Life doesn't go that way. And we've become a fake society trying to prop ourselves up against to make ourselves look better than anyone else. And people are tired of that. They want something real and tangible that they can hang on to. Your friends, my friends, want us to be bold enough to speak a word of encouragement into their life. If we're in the shopping mall, if we're in the parking lot, and they're downtrodden, feeling in despair, they want us to speak a word of encouragement to them. When God gives you that umption in your stomach to, to say something, don't discount that. They somebody needing a word from you. They want us to be bold enough to lay hands on them and pray for them. And I'm not talking about in church. I'm talking about praying for them in their home. I'm talking about praying for them in the parking lot. I'm talking about laying hands on them in the sandwich shop. The world is waiting for the apostolic church to stand up and stand out and shine. We There's always talk about, well, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. Turn to your neighbor and say, be the difference. Be the difference. I, I'm not going to just make a difference. I want to be the difference. Like Esther, you and I have been brought in the kingdom for such a time as this. And just like her, it's our time now. It's our time to shine. It's our time for the church to step forward. We've been on the backside of a wilderness for a long time. Been in a covered place. Brother Chris Osborne preached about it uh, last week, about being in a cave, and it's time to come out. We felt like we've been on the back of the line, but, but I assure you that we haven't been at the back of the line. We, matter of fact, we are a top priority to God because he's been working on us. He's been building us. He's been developing character and integrity. And he's been teaching us. He's been building his word into our life. And there are some here tonight and some that may be watching that you've been asking God, when is it going to be my time? What, what can I do? When can I save a lost, help save a lost soul? When, when can I help lead somebody to the church? When do I get to step up and get a chance at the plate? When do I get to put to work everything that I've been praying about and studying about? Well, I've come to tell you tonight, and I've come with a word from the Lord. It's your turn. The waiting's over. The waiting is over. It's time to step up. Don't let the devil intimidate you and place fear in you, telling you you don't have what it takes. It's time to step up. The spotlight is on the church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about this pulpit. I respect this utmostly. This is the most precious and valuable thing in this sanctuary. But I'll tell you tonight, 
that this will not win as many lost souls as this congregation. The power to win souls is going out into this world. Day in, day out on your job, whatever that might be. Whatever that might be. Elisha, the spotlight was on him. Fifty sons of the prophets are standing by watching to see if he's ready. Does he have what it takes? Do you have the power? Can you divide the Jordan River? Can you raise the dead? Can you cast out devils and heal the sick? Can you prophesy fire and rain from heaven? And just like pastor preached, the spotlight is on you and I and the mantle has fallen at our feet. And so I pose a question tonight. Are we man enough? Are you woman enough to pick it up and possess it? Do we have enough Holy Ghost? Do we have enough faith? Are we bold enough? Are we courageous enough to take hold of the mantle and walk it out and work it out? Or are we just a wannabe? Everybody knows what a wannabe is. Wannabe is somebody who wants the title. They want the position. They want all the fame and glory. They want their name and lights. They want somebody to say, look what so-and-so done. They want the power and the miracles and the signs and the wonders, but they're not willing to pay the price. And I'm going to tell you tonight, if we're going to have a revival of souls, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us some prayer. It's going to cost us some fasting. It's going to cost us some dedication. You see, the man of Elijah was just more than a piece of cloth that he wrapped around his shoulders, but it symbolized everything that he was. That mantle represented his sacrifice, his commitment, his faith, and his love for God, his consecration, and the power, the anointing. When Elisha picked up that mantle, it meant that he was stepping up to the plate. It meant that he would, he would pay the price, that he would live the life. It meant from this day forward that he was who that mantle says he was. It meant that the manna would lead him and guide him and be his deliverer through the rest of his life. And the manna has fallen at our feet. And the question I have for us tonight as a church is as individuals, what will we do with it? It lays at our feet. Will we let it lay or will we pick it up? And if we pick it up, Brother Larry, help me for a minute. If we pick it up, there's going to be a price to pay. You see, with the mantle, with the mantle, you're going to have to walk away from some friends. With the mantle, you're going to have to give yourself a prayer life. With the mantle, you're going to have to dive into the Word, and you're going to have to fill your heart with the Word. With the mantle, it's going to cause some sacrifice. There's going to be days that you don't think you can make it because that load is so heavy and it bears us down. With a mantle comes a great price. With a mantle comes a great price. But I'm telling you tonight that God knows we're able. He knows we're capable or he wouldn't have put us here tonight. He wouldn't have placed us in this place. He wouldn't have given us the ability to carry the mantle if he didn't think that we could handle the mantle. People are going to talk about you. People are going to put you down. You're, you're going to be different. But when we take up the mantle, we're declaring to God that we have given him everything that we have. And you see, each of us have our own mantle. 
The mantle's it's not just a pulpit ministry. The mantle is not just for a missionary overseas. The mantle is just not for an evangelist or a Sunday school teacher or a, or a, a church planner. You see, there are some mantles that nobody will ever know that you're carrying. There's some people in here tonight that's carrying mantles that we've never seen before. They're not in the spotlight. Their name's never going to be on the sign out front. But it's a mantle. And it's important and it's valuable than any other mantle in the kingdom. And I want you to use your imagination with me tonight because you can't see this. Why? It's camouflage. So you can't see this mantle. But there are people who have mantles that we never see. We have no idea what they've done for the kingdom of God because some mantles, some mantles come with intercessory prayer. And there are people that have prayed hours upon hours. And I'm not talking about at this altar. I'm talking about at an altar at their home. They've dedicated their life to prayer and to the word of God. We may never know or never see, but God's taking notes. God's taking notes. Don't be ashamed. Don't let the devil discount what your mantle is because you have no idea. God has entrusted us with this mantle. Whatever that mantle may be, you cling to it tightly. You let it be everything in your life. You give it the utmost respect. You treat it as though it was Jesus Christ himself with you because it is the power and the anointing of this mantle that carries us. I was standing in the back corner some time ago, and I probably should have asked her permission for this, but it's easier to ask forgiveness. So, Sister Yavane, I'm going to ask you forgiveness for this, but I'm going to use you for a minute. I'm not going to make you come up here and put this on. I was standing in the back corner. It's been several months ago, perhaps, maybe even longer time slips away from me, but I was talking with someone, and through the side door, Sister Yavane come through. And I don't know if it was rain, and I, I don't believe it was cold, but she had a shawl or a, a coat or something draped over her when she come in the side door. I looked away and, and, and looked back, and she was about right here. And just for a split second, that mantle looked like a long train behind her. And I began to look at that for just, just a minute. The Lord gave me a glimpse of that. You could hardly see it, but I could see the image of it draped behind her. As I, and I respectfully say this as she made her way easy and slowly to her seat. And I thought about that for days. How she has carried a mantle a long, long time ago. She made a decision to pick it up. To my knowledge, Sister Yavane, your name has never been out there on the sign. I don't know if you've ever preached a message from behind a pulpit. I don't know if you've ever been on a praise team. I don't know if you've ever led worship. But I do know this. Tonight sits four generations because you chose to pick up the mantle. 
She's got grandchildren preaching messages tonight because she chose to pick up the man. It may not be, it may not be shining bright. It may be conspicuous. It may be hard to see. But God has a mantle for each and every one of us. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm asking us, what will we do with a mantle at our feet? It's fallen within reach. Now what will we do? We can look at it. We can dream about it. We can preach about it. We can sing about it and shout about it. We can write books about it and songs about it, but nothing will happen until we take up the mantle. We're not going to have power and authority in God if we don't take up this mantle. We're not going to be lay hands on the sick and have them healed if we don't take up the mantle. With the jawbone of a donkey, Samson slew a thousand men. That's almost hard to imagine, Brother Larry. But a thousand men he slew with a jawbone. And I believe and know with all my heart that God put that jawbone there. But he had to pick it up. When you take hold of the mantle, you're saying, I'm committed, God. This is not a Sunday morning, Wednesday night thing. This is day in, day out, in the low times, in the high times. You're saying, I am the real deal. I take this anointing. I'm chosen by God. I'm anointed and I'm appointed by God. When you take possession of the mantle, you're saying, I'm, I'm playing in the game. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm not a spectator on the sidelines anymore. I choose God's side. I choose faith. I choose holiness. I choose faithfulness and obedience. Mordecai told Esther, Who knoweth but that you are coming to the kingdom? For such a time as this. Now we all get giddy. We get goosebumps, And we all like to quote that. Because it makes us feel good. But if you go on to read. And what always pricks my heart and stirs me. If thou altogether hold thy peace at this time. Then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou in thy father's house shall be destroyed. Essentially what is being said there is Esther, if you don't pick up this mantle, somebody else will. But because you didn't pick it up, you and your generation, your family, is going to suffer for it. The mantle is falling at our feet. And if we don't take it, put it to use if we're not willing to pay the price he's going to pass us by and somebody else will God has chosen Hatch Bend Apostolic Church that's who I'm preaching to tonight God has chosen us to do some great things in this last day and hour but we're not going to be able to do them just because we've been doing this a long time We're going to have to have the anointing, the authority. He's going to pass us by if we don't pick up this mantle. Somebody else will have the anointing that you and I should have had. There'll be some other church 
that's having miracles and healings in their altar when it should have been us. Somebody else will possess the power and the anointing and the glory of God to be able to lay hands and cast out demons and to, to heal the sick. But will we deprive our generation of our ministries? Will we deprive our loved ones and our family of the power that comes with this mantle? Someone that should have been healed will die sick because we didn't pick up the mantle. Someone that should have been saved will die lost and spend an eternity in hell because we wouldn't pick up the mantle. Someone that should have been delivered and set free and free from bondage will be bound to slavery forever because we didn't pick up the mantle. I'm going to ask you to stand across this house for me. Even as Elisha went to another level when he took up that mantle, there's some here tonight that wants that next level. You're desiring to be used of God. You want to do more for the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm not implying that you're sitting idly by. That's not what I'm implying tonight. But I'm saying we want more. We want more of you, God. I need more anointing. I need more power. I need more of you. Why don't we take a few minutes, church? These altars are open, or let's make an altar where we stand. Now is the time. There is no better time than this than to ask God to place this mantle upon us, to let Him know that we're ready. We're ready to receive the power and the authority that He puts on us. Let's pray for a few minutes, church. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.